It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. On ESPN Radio, ESPNU, all of our great ESPN stations across the country, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Titans Radio Network, along with Michelle Spallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Two Monday Night Football games last night. We saw Tennessee upset Miami, and the Giants upset the Packers. Which upset surprised you more, guys? Oh, it was the Dolphins being upset by the Titans. No they, had every, they had everything to play for. The number one seed seemingly up for grabs in the AFC. They had a chance to keep pace with the Baltimore Ravens. And they spit the bit. Like, you, you can't do that. You had a 14-point lead with less than four minutes to go, and you blew it. Since 2000, the Titans are only the 15 to be down by two touchdowns with three minutes to go and find a way to win it. You're on the wrong side of that history if you're the Miami Dolphins. That is an inexcusable loss, Smalls. Absolutely, and... You had the knock on you that you can't beat good teams, you, but you were supposed to handle business against inferior teams like the Tennessee Titans. So I was, even despite the attrition on the offensive line and Tyreek Hill being out for a bit, I was really surprised at the outcome of the Dolphins-Titans game. Yeah, and the Tyreek Hill injury obviously was a huge, huge blow for the Miami Dolphins. He did come back in the game. His reasoning for why he re-entered the game is fascinating. Here's what he had to say post-game about who motivated him to get back in. I just made up in my mind. I came in at halftime. I texted my wife. I was like, bro, like, it hurt. Like, get an ankle massage tonight. She was like, you better get your ass back in that game, dog. And I was like, all right. So I just made up my mind that it's going to hurt. It's going to suck. Tomorrow morning, t- tonight and tomorrow morning. You know, and I just went back in the game on my own. Like, without anybody saying, Reek, go. Like, nah, it was like, this. I got to gotta get out there, you know, and bring some energy and be that spark. Tyree Kill, of course, listening to his wife, doesn't want to jeopardize the possibility of spooning uh, post-game, right? Uh, here, I do have a, 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 like a question on specifics of this. Is that normal? Guys at halftime are texting people? I think that's the way of the world now in the NFL. It wasn't like that when I was in the league, but that's, you're hearing more and more about players going into the locker room, checking their phones at halftime or whatever, and then coming back out. That's not something that I would do because once, once I start playing, I'm, I'm locked in. I got laser focus, and I'm just a completely different person. But it's different strokes for different folks. I don't think that that is, I guess, material to whether or not you're going to be a good player. I think different guys need different things. And so in that instance, checking his phone, especially after his wife sees the injury that he has, she probably wants to know if he's okay. He's probably texting her, hey, baby, I'm okay. Once she finds out she's okay, she's like, hey, bro, get your ass out there. You make $30 million a year. We got a record to yeah, break. Yeah, we, we, got, we got a record to break, and we got more money to get to, <laughs> dog. Right. So let's get to this bread. But here's the problem that I have with what I saw from the Dolphins. They had the ball with two minutes and 40 seconds left and went three and out. Two straight runs with Raheem Mostert, only got four yards out of it, two a scramble for three yards. They weren't able to salt the game away with their rushing attack. Now, they're ranked second in the National Football League in rushing, but to me, it's a lot of inflated stats 
Because when you look at when it's important to be able to run the football, it's in those moments in the fourth quarter when you're protecting the lead. You got to be able to salt the game away. You got to be able to keep the other team's offense from getting back on the field. And it's clear and obvious to me that the Miami Dolphins aren't able to do that. Now, they were down a couple of significant contributors along that offensive line. So maybe I'll give them a little bit of grace in that regard. But... This is not an overly physical run game, and I wonder how that's going to play when you're up against better competition in the conference. Uh, to that same effect, they had three offensive linemen out, ended up being four anti-rekill out for a minute. Where are we at with Tua? Because, you know, we always look at somebody like Brock Purdy and we say if he doesn't have the full complement of weapons around him, he might not be a guy who could elevate you to win. I know we don't say that, but that's what kind of the narrative is around Brock Purdy. Are we ready to go there with Tua? That if they need him to step up and win a game, that we're sure he can do it? No. I'm no, not there at No. Uh, I mean, especially if 10 is off the field. And that's why Dominique Foxworth, who was just in studio with us in the 7 o'clock hour, said – you know, the ceiling on this team is going to depend on the health of Tyreek Hill. If Tyreek Hill is healthy and available for the rest of the season and the playoffs, I would say it's on the board for them to get to the conference championship game. If Tyreek Hill can't be him, if he can't, you know, be the guy that takes the top off of the defense, if he can't create space for everybody else in that offense, then all of a sudden you think that it's going to be an early exit for the Miami Dolphins. Now, I get it right now. They have a two-game lead with four games to go in their division against the Buffalo Bills. But I will say this. I mean, the Bills have the potential to make this thing really interesting because those two teams do have that game head-to-head in Week 18, and the Bills already got a win in the bank over the Dolphins this season. I am ready to say this. Tell me where you guys are with this. If the Bills make the playoffs, it's by way of winning the division, not by way of wild card. Is that fair? Is that, do you feel that now because of the – think about it this way. Mm. There's one team to surpass in the division. Yes. There's a bunch of teams to surpass that they already are losing tiebreakers because we see them in the 11th spot in the wild card. Yeah, and they have the tiebreaker against the Dolphins. It actually makes a lot of sense. It actually makes a lot of and sense. And I'm not suggesting they're doing it. They're going to win the division. It seems like the easiest path, though, is that direction. Well, and yeah. considering what Miami has left in their remaining schedule. I mean, they're going to see the Jets, the Cowboys, the Ravens, and the, and the Bills to close out the season. So let's just say, worst case scenario, Miami goes 1-3 and three down the stretch. They end up with 10 wins. Can we see the Buffalo Bills getting to 10 wins? Let's see. I mean, they do have the Dallas Cowboys, but then they've got the Chargers and they've got the Patriots. And, yeah, we can I can actually see it. I can see them losing to – if they lost to the Cowboys, but then so that puts beat, seven, seven. beat the Chargers, Patriots, and Dolphins, they would be 10, the same, and 10 and 7 just with the Dolphins. But they'd have the head-to-head tie break because they swept the division series. Yeah, I think you're on to something, Ev. I think you're right. It's more likely today that the Buffalo Bills get into the playoffs by winning the division than as a wild card. Where this all changes is if the Dolphins get one singular win against any of those three teams that we projected a loss, right? The Cowboys, Ravens, or Bills. If they get one win there, it probably makes it impossible. Yeah. Right? But projecting out a team losing to the Cowboys is not much of a projection right now. No, exactly. Projecting out a team losing on the road at the Ravens, they're the number one seed. Projecting a team losing to the Bills at home, now there needs to be explanation and context there, but that may be for the division on January 7th. But especially a team who hasn't really beaten a quality opponent in the Miami Dolphins. That's fair. Well, the only quality opponent that we give him credit for is retroactive and not everybody gives him credit for is the, is the Broncos win. I'm it's a not, different, I'm not it's going a different there. Broncos I know. team. That's, yeah. a, that's my point. Yeah. Is that that's the only way you can go 
to maybe give them a win against a good team. And by the way, if you want to go as far as not only have they not beaten good teams, think about the well-coached teams and how they beat them. The Patriots, they only beat by seven, right? The, the, the Titans last night, they lost to. I mean, the Broncos, okay, they're the ones. But, like, if you want to spin anything positively around the Dolphins, it's actually pretty hard right now in terms of their record's great, but the context of the record leaves you with a lot of questions. And that's why we have to put context around the numbers that we're seeing Tua put up this season, right? Uh, And yesterday was a glaring example of him not being a guy that can elevate when he doesn't have his full complement of weapons. Now, we can say that about a lot of quarterbacks. We said that about Brock Purdy as well. But I think it's a stark contrast in terms of what this offense is with Tyreek on the field versus when he's not on the field. And Tua can't overcome that adversity because we saw it last night. I mean, with Tyreek Hill off the field for 26 minutes, Tua had a QBR below 20. That, that, that's unacceptable, especially given the stakes for the Dolphins and potentially being able to have the number one seed in the conference. Think about it. If you're the number one seed in the conference, not only do you have home field throughout, but you get to skip the wild card round altogether. You become one of eight teams in the NFL that has a chance to get to the Super Bowl as opposed to being one of 14. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again. That's such an interest. I've never heard somebody bring it up the way you did, and I think it's such an interesting way of looking at it because basically what you become is an NBA or NHL postseason versus an NFL postseason. Yes. Because you're talking about it like it's – it is significant. It's huge. I've, and I've never heard it brought up 14 to 8. I think that's yeah. a really good way of looking at it because there's too many teams to compete against versus, okay, that feels like the right amount of teams to exactly. compete against. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You, you, I don't want to say you're penalized by making the playoffs, but you're penalized by not being the one seed in today's NFL. The you way are. In which they, yeah, the way in which, which they is, Which is why I vehemently disagree with how Tua handled the postgame press conference. Like, well, let's I, I let's com- take a listen to I what bothered you here. To a post game after the, the Titans beat the Dolphins, of course, one of two games last night. The Giants upset the Green Bay Packers. We're kind of looking at it as maybe a blip on the radar for the Packers. We think they can bounce back. Tommy DeVito has been the storyline we've discussed all show today. But here is Tua post game after the loss to the Titans last night. I don't think this is the same Dolphins team that everyone thinks um, thinks about. Uh, we got a lot of really good players. We got really good coaches. Um, and it, it's it's one loss. It's, you know, home uh, this year. It's not, not like the world the world ends uh, because we, we lost this game. Uh, we're human. We'll continue to get better from this. Um, this is the NFL. No, no one's perfect. So that's that. He is a glass half full guy. That's how he's made up. Mike McDaniel is the same way. They have probably in life the much healthier attitude. But from a football perspective, CC, is this the right mentality post game? No, it's not striking the right chord in terms of the urgency that everybody in the organization needs to have about what they're trying to accomplish. The Dolphins are have gone from being a good story through the first two months of the NFL season to positioning themselves for a deep playoff run. You started the season nine and three. And you got Monday night at home against a team with a losing record. Take care of your business. You had a 14-point lead with less than four minutes to go. Win the damn game. I don't care what you have to do to as the quarterback. Find a way to win the game. That's what the good ones do. If you want to be a $50 million a year quarterback, that's what you do. You find a way to close that game out. But because we didn't see that, it's an indictment on his sports character and his overall ability to take this team where they're hoping they can go. 
which is winning a championship. I don't have conviction that Tua is going to be able to get them through the gauntlet that would be the AFC quarterbacks. I don't. And that's the problem with where the Miami Dolphins are at, and that's why I think yesterday was a bit of foreshadowing in terms of what's to come once they get matched up against quality competition in the postseason. Well, I will tell you, Smalls, uh, the Dolphins are not helping us in terms of our trip to Florida next week because this show has been very critical of the Dolphins today. And now we're going, thanks to Celsius, ESPN, West Palm, into Dolphins country. And, uh, yeah, we're being very critical of the Dolphins. But they brought it upon themselves. You blow a 14-point lead with four-plus minutes to go. We're going to have fun with Celsius and your peach vibe there. And ESPN West Palm with Unsportsmanlike in Florida. But the Dolphins fans there are not going to be happy. I mean, when we just think about quarterbacks that are in the trust tree in the AFC, where is Tua at right now? He's not in there. <laughs> Smalls says, Smalls says he's not in there. What data so who are, the, who are the quarterbacks in the AFC in the trust AFC? tree? The Lamar, AFC trust tree. Lamar is in there. Sure. I would go with Mahomes. Mahomes is in the trust tree. I think it's a safe bet on that one. I'm trying to see who's not injured. Is is Trevor Lawrence in the trust tree? I don't know. For me, I literally looked at it and I was ready to put my finger up for number three there, but don't. Okay, I slipped at times this season. There's been some surprising performances. Is Russell Wilson in the trust tree? Oh, that's a really good question. For me, yes, and I don't want to threaten, but don't. Anyone even think about putting the Bills quarterback in a trust tree? Josh I'm, Allen? You I'm, don't have Josh I'm, Allen in the a trust tree? Leaf tree, but I'm, not a trust tree. I trust tree. Josh Allen trust to him. throw another interception. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I trust. I would put Josh Allen. Nine straight games with a pick. I trust him. All okay. right. All right. Now I'm good. I threw my I pen just now. I would put him in the trust Josh tree. Josh Allen's in the trust tree. I would put him in there. I'm sorry, I would. So, I, so, so Tua is not in the trust tree. I would put Josh Allen in the trust tree over Tua. Wow. Yes, I would, despite the interceptions, wow. I would. I have more trust in Josh Allen in a big moment to make the play that helps his team win than I do Tua. I have more trust in a big moment for Josh Allen in a big moment to make a play to help his team lose. Okay. Than Tua. Like, it's the same. Equally, as you could say that, I could say this. That's the problem with Josh Allen. But I have the data points in the playoffs with Josh Allen that I feel... In a good way or a bad way? Sometimes in a good way. Like when way. he throws the ball backwards against I don't know. the Texans? I can't, I can't forget that game versus the Chiefs. And I can't. I can't forget a game where he threw the ball backwards. And he throws the ball to the other team I'm, with, I'm with Smalls on this one. I have Josh Allen in the trust tree over Tua. Oh, well, that's different. But in general, oh, he said, no. Well, that's different. Hey, that's so you're easy. in agreement with that then? Uh, no, I don't think so. I still believe that in the biggest of moments that Josh Allen is going to throw an interception. Every time he has the ball, I'm waiting for an interception. So you don't trust either one of them. It's just that you trust Josh Allen less. Sure, yes. So neither one of them for How you is this? in the trust How about this? I'll say it this way. Josh Allen has a better chance of winning the game for his team and losing the game for his team. Tua has a better chance of maintaining the game for his team where Tyreek Hill can win it for him. That makes sense? They had the ball goal to go, and he fumbled <laughs> the snap, tried to pick it up, and ended yeah, up fumbling on. it for a turnover. Well, I mean, just because they, they got bailed, just because they got that. bailed out by a rookie quarterback throwing a pick six, doesn't absolve Tua from that situation. All right, that was com- awful. A lot more on that, obviously. Coming up, uh, awful. The Bears are going to have the number one pick because the Panthers stink. We know that. Could they actually trade number one overall? We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. 
Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot for the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with... Michelle Swoman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. You can watch us on ESPNU. Listen to us on all of our great ESPN stations across the country. Sirius XM Channel 80 and the ESPN app. So, interesting what's going on now in terms of the upcoming drafts. We do have a situation in which, because of the trade last year between Chicago and Carolina, Carolina is going to end up with the number one pick this year. Chicago is going to get the number one pick this year as a result and Mike Greenberg on Greeny yesterday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern time here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, had this to say about what the Bears should do. You can either, A, take the quarterback and thus have a rookie salary cap working on Caleb Williams, or B, sign Justin Fields for the Daniel Jones contract, and you trade away that first pick, you could get three ones and two twos and whatever it might be. You already have the good young offensive lineman you draft last year. You put Marvin Harrison out there opposite DJ Moore, and you get an offensive coach in there who has some idea which end zone it is we're trying to move the ball towards. Justin Fields is a star, and they've made him so bad. It's the gutsy decision. I really genuinely think it would be the right call. Okay. If he's a star, then why would you sign him to the Daniel Jones contract? If he's a star, you you pay him you know fifty million dollars plus a year. That that's what it is. Like if you have that kind of conviction, when you're willing to pass on the number one overall pick, Caleb Williams or Drake May, you're willing to pass on the promise of both of those dudes for what Justin Fields could grow into after what we've seen the last three years. I just to me, you go ahead and pay the guy a, a, a top of the market deal. I mean, if you're hedging with the Daniel Jones contract. That means that deep down you don't believe that Justin Fields is going to be the guy. You think he might be the guy, but you don't have that overwhelming conviction that would justify the opportunity cost of passing on the 2024 crop of quarterbacks after you passed on the 2023 crop of quarterbacks with Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson. I I love Greeny. I love his takes. But this one, I can't get on board with. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, unless you know for sure on Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus, for that matter, I don't know how you could pass on drafting a, a potentially transformative quarterback. And I But think how could you know on Justin Fields? You don't. And that- I, that's why you can't take that risk if you're the Bears. I just, And I think your point is the best one. C.J. Stroud looks like that guy. We don't know about Bryce Young yet. We don't know about Anthony Richardson. But the fact that you had the opportunity to draft somebody who looks like he is a franchise-altering quarterback and you didn't, you can't do that two years ago. Well, he, he doesn't look it. He is a he franchise-altering is. quarterback. Like They're in the playoff chase right now. You're right. I mean, you're talking about the Texans, what, the last three years won a grand total of 10 games, and they're already at seven wins at this point in the season. 
So like, just, like I like to me, th- this is a no brainer for the Chicago Bears. You take the top rated quarterback on the board. You reset the clock on the economics of the quarterback position in your building. You're not ready to win, so that aspect of it makes a whole lot of sense. And here's the great part about where the Bears are at. You still are going to have a top pick, in the, probably a top 10 pick. You have the opportunity to trade down and acquire more draft capital if you so choose. But mortgaging off the number one overall pick after you just did that the year before, it just doesn't make any sense. It's a quarterback-driven league, and unless you got that position figured out, it's going to be hard to win. And it's safe to say, based on what we've seen from Justin Fields over the last two and a half years, that he is still a question mark. Why continue to double down, and now it would be tripling down, on a guy that's a question mark? Doesn't make sense. Yeah, I look at it as risk assessment, which feels like the greater risk. Moving on from Justin Fields and him becoming a star elsewhere or passing on Caleb Williams and or Drake May. One of those that two part, guys. That part, that last part, that latter part. <laughs> so what I would do is different than what everyone has said so far. Everyone is looking at this with the Chicago Bears in the future as an either or. I'm looking at it as a both. There is no reason you actually have to give up Justin Fields. You can keep Justin Fields and still draft Caleb Williams number one. I'm a big believer that rookie quarterbacks, at least for a little bit, should sit. Mahomes did it. Hurts did it. Lamar did it. Russ did it. Rodgers did it. Purdy obviously is playing the results. He did it. It's only $6 million that Justin Fields costs against you. It's going to be $6 million for you or against you. The cap hit and the dead cap is basically the same. I would actually keep Justin Fields. I would let him start next year if he earns a starting position. I would let Caleb Williams ultimately replace him, even if he's good, i.e. Eli Manning, Kurt Warner years ago with the Giants. And I would take my number one pick, my second pick, the Bears pick number five overall. I'd add an additional first rounder in the future, and I'd try to get up to three or four to make sure I get Marvin Harrison Jr. with him. I'm keeping all of them. This is a franchise that CC has said for years has not had a quarterback since Sid Luckman, which look it up. People have to look up when the last time he played. To me, I want them all. I want every possible good quarterback I can have, and I do not believe I'm going to stunt the growth of Caleb Williams. So if it's me, I'm getting number one. I'm taking Caleb Williams. I'm keeping Justin Fields. I'm trading a future one and my other first-rounder this year, and I'm getting Marvin Harrison, too. That is my goal. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And the proposition that you threw out there is well within the rights of the Chicago Bears organization. But let me tell you why you can't do it. Okay. It's because of team chemistry. You're going to split your Mm -hmm. locker room if you have two young quarterbacks that have the belief that they can be the guy. If that's what you want to set up, a situation where there's a pace car in place for Caleb Williams or Drake May, it has to be clear and obvious that that guy does not have a long-term future with the organization. That would not be the scenario that you're outlining with Justin Fields. Can I counter the counter? You can try. Okay. (laughs) I can decline the fifth-year option. And, hold on, I can know in the back of my mind – Justin Fields will be traded maybe at the end of training camp. That I'm going to have Caleb Williams all offseason, not have to worry about being the starting quarterback and dealing with any kind of pressure. Maybe Hold even on, you said you're going you're to have him traded when now? I could have him traded at any point. There's going to be a team but, but, that needs but, but, a quarterback. I guess, my, I guess my whole point is this. You can't keep both of those guys in your locker room when both of those guys believe that they're going to be the guy. You're talking about their careers being too close in terms of timeline. Justin Fields will be going into year four. Caleb Williams will be going into year one. You're going to create – a, a, a contentious environment in that locker room. So from a team chemistry standpoint, you can't do that. 
It makes sense. The ba- Listen, the Bears were well within their rights to do that. Yeah. But you can't do that with your locker room. I totally get what you're saying, and you very well, obviously, from 11 years of experience in this league, know better than I do. Yeah. I'm just saying, outside looking in for a team that has never performed well at that position, I may try to try something that doesn't normally— I may try to do what the Packers have done, which is have multiple guys in there and figure it out from there. And I get it. The Packers have not had guys yeah, in the Aaron same Rodgers was in a, a year 18. I get it. I get it. I'm just saying that everyone's doing— That's a big difference, man. Everyone's doing the either-or. I would at least explore the end. But why wouldn't you tell, let's just for argument's sake, say it's Caleb Williams, not only are you the guy and we're clearing— every runway for you to become the leader of this team, but we're going to do everything we can to to get something back and whatever deals we can and build around I'm, in it. In my scenario, I'm getting you Marvin Harrison Jr. You don't need to ask me for much more. <laughs> I just got you Marvin Harrison Jr. Well, they need much more, though. I know. but They, need, saying, a lot, they need a lot more on I, that Bears team. I think, again, that's what I would try to pull off. Not saying it could happen and also not saying it would work. I'm just saying that's what I would try to pull off. We rarely, if ever, see MVPs in the NFL that don't play quarterback. Coming up next, someone who won the MVP, not playing quarterback, will join us. It's on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com this is the unsportsmanlike podcast on espn radio we are presented by progressive insurance we're going to get into the nfl mvp conversation in just a little bit but let's talk about a baseball mvp first in shohei otani who we know went to the la dodgers what we didn't know at the time was that he was going to the Dodgers for um, basically $10 an hour is what's going to happen. $2 million a year, which is not really $10 an hour. You get the point. But in baseball terms, it kind of is. And he is going there on deferred money where he is going to make $68 million a year (laughs) after the contract. (laughs) Not during the contract. which Which, by the way, does not preclude him from continuing to play baseball in year 11 of this deal and making two salaries within the same sport, either by the same team or another team. And to my knowledge, it also does not include any kind of personal services contract where you're making $68 million when you're done. And then as a result, you have to make all these Let me tell you something, dog. Listen, if I get a $700 million contract at the end of that contract, I'm walking away. $700 million, I'm good. Seven hundred million dollars. Yeah. What if you I'm haven't good. won? What if you haven't I'm won? I'm good. Yet? I'm straight. It's okay. <laughs> I've already won. You know, I'm winning at the bank. The people act so friendly when I walk into the bank, Mister Otani. That's all he. W- Listen, the deal gives the opportunity to the organization 
to add pieces around him. And so we'll see what they do with the rest of Hot Stove and what they add before spring training. But the smart part on Otani's behalf is that with the deferred salary, now he gets to avoid all of the state income tax and the entertainer tax that he would otherwise have to pay in the state of California. So now you're talking about him hanging on to a lot more of that $70 million per year that he's in line to get. So it's a brilliant move by him, and it's a brilliant move for the team to capitalize on the prime years that they have with him. Well, speaking of MVPs, Sean Alexander won one in the NFL in 2005 as a running back for the Seattle Seahawks. He's an no- State Alabama. income tax in, in Washington. He's an Alabama <laughs> grad, and he joins us here on Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Sean, if I told you in 2023 a running back ran for 1,880 yards and 27 touchdowns, would they have a shot at winning MVP? Uh, they would win it unanimously. <laughs> in 2023, a non-quarterback you think would? I think so, because for them to do that, the way they throw the ball, it, the yards per carry would be something that no one's ever seen before because they just don't run the ball enough. Well, Sean, you, you put in a lot of work against some of my teams, too, back in, back in the day in the NFL. And one of the guys that paved the way for you was Walter Jones. He's a Florida State grad. You're an Alabama grad. I, I mean, have you razzed him about your team getting in the playoff and his team being out? I'm, I'm going to wait till after the first – the first round is over. <laughs> you know, I mean, if, if we, you know, I'd be like, see, you knew you weren't supposed to be in this thing. You know, I'm a, I'm a star, you know. Sean, we are looking at Tyreek Hill, and he is accomplishing so much this season. He's on pace to surpass Calvin Johnson's receiving record. We saw last night in Monday Night Football when he's out of the equation for this Miami Dolphins team. They're not the same team. We know his value. Do you think Tyreek Hill should be the MVP of the NFL? I mean, his. I think anytime you you surpass something, you have to be that guy. Like you know, anytime you you set the all time for anything, it's letting you know, like, hey, this year you was the best in this league that's had many great athletes, many great performers. Um, you were the one that set the mark, and so for that, I feel like it should be an automatic um, MVP award. If you were redoing your career now, knowing what you know about the running back position, would you have played running back or would you have played another position? <laughs> well, I mean, back then, it, you know, everybody was like the running backs, the star, the guy that carries it, you know. So, like, you know, my my sons are pretty athletic. You know, their mom played college basketball, and so, uh, so smart man. What you just them, did there, smart. Yeah, you know, and I'm watching them, and in my mind, I'm I'm literally thinking. How do I let them learn how to play slot and carry the ball like like Christian McCaffrey? You know what I mean? Like if they happen to be like that six foot, six one like me, how do I get them to be in a position where they can actually split themselves out and, and go make plays and still be a value to the team um, and get the money that that I think running backs should get, but that that most of them don't. And Sean, let's drill down on the money aspect of it because we're coming out of an offseason where we've seen several running backs engaged in very public disputes with their teams over money. Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley. We saw it with Jonathan Taylor before. The Colts obviously relented. But just out of curiosity, we know things are cyclical in the NFL. Is this what we're seeing with the running back marketplace uh, a matter of being cyclical or is this just going to be the way of the world in terms of how teams operate with that position for the foreseeable future? Yeah. Until, until if the Ravens didn't have Lamar Jackson and they just had to hand the ball off and grind and play tough defense um, until you get a team where, you know, even the Titans, how they, how they do Derrick Henry, where they just have to ground and pound and that tailback and stay healthy when, 
you know, it's it's going to be like this because the running back can get hurt. You know, I, I am I am one myself. Like every year, you know, my my best year, second and third year, where where, where great there he is. Um, they were great, but it was always man, maybe we should trade Sean because he could get hurt. And then fourth year was great. Fifth year was great. Sixth year, I win the MVP and my contract was up. So they just paid me a King's ransom really for the $300,000 and $400,000 I was getting, you know, playing in the the Pro Bowl and and all pro and getting $304,000. So they gave me King's ransom, but they knew that the tires were running off. And so I feel like the best thing is really to to create a, a a way for the player, the team to pay the player, the running back, the the king's ransom without hurting the team. So then the guy gets to stay with the team, the players, they everybody gets to get their value and and no one loses the future of their ball club. Sean, one more question about the MVP award from me. Right now, we understand the value that a great starting quarterback brings to the NFL, to the game, to his individual team. It almost feels like no matter what somebody else does, whether it's on the defensive side of the ball or a player like Tyreek Hill, they're just going to lose the MVP award to a quarterback who's performing well to their team. Do you think the NFL should separate these two and make a distinct quarterback award and then have the MVP award? Yeah, I, I think it's hard um, to do that, but I, I I do think that the quarterback, though he is very important, there's just little things that the running back can do that are the other position, you know, um, could do that actually changes everything uh, for that player for that team. And so, yeah, I I don't know if we make keep a different award, but make sure make there a different criteria to make sure that. We may have lost Sean there, obviously, as the Zoom connection there. Sean Alexander, former NFL running back, of course, won an MVP in 2005, and obviously breaking down kind of like the Cy Young Award, as you've always talked about there, the difference between the two. Sean, of course, went to Alabama. Interesting that he's going to play the results. He's, I mean, you won already. if you're going Because you asked him about the comparison with FSU. You didn't ask the Michigan comparison. Not at all. They beat FSU already in terms yeah. of the competition to get in here. I just... I don't know if you if you guys apply and we thank uh, Sean Alexander because we're running out of time here for joining us here on Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. If you applied his 2005 to now, 1800 plus yards, 27 touchdowns in now 17 games versus 16 games, does that player win the MVP? Let's call it Christian McCaffrey. Let's call it Derrick Henry. Does that player win the MVP today? I, I think no. I don't think he does either. I don't think so either. I know Sean brings up a good point about the yards per carry with the less carries, but go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, but we're looking at Tyreek Hill potentially breaking an all-time record, and we're still saying that it's unlikely he's going to win it. It it almost feels as if it doesn't really matter what a non-quarterback will do. As long as there's a quarterback that is playing really well, he's going to get the award. And that's unfair. It feels unfair. I mean, Jonathan Taylor from the Colts in 2021 had 2,100 yards from scrimmage and 20 touchdowns not even a, 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 a thought that he was going to win MVP that season. Not a thought. So, I mean, it's not like we haven't seen seasons that rival what Sean Alexander was able to put together in 2005. I just think it's a product of where the game has gone and how everything around the game is centered around the quarterback. The value of the position won't allow running backs to rival what we see from quarterbacks. Totally agree. And he even told you, he said, my kids are playing football. They're going to grow up physically like their mom and I, who are both tall. Uh, we would like them to play slot receiver and do a little bit of everything and not just an every down running back like the great Sean Alexander. We do appreciate joining us. All right, coming up, Smalls will put a smile on our face. I'm for it. Positive programming with Michelle next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. 
That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is time for some positive programming here on Unsportsmanlike. I'm Michelle Smallman alongside Chris Canty and Evan Cohen. And we got to bring in our conversation during the break to the show, guys. We need yeah. to get everybody in on this. We're talking about Tommy DeVito. We love him. He's Is it fair to call him the Italian Stallion or is that too much? That might be a little too much, but he is a cult hero He won right three now. in a row. No doubt. Italian Stallion? I don't know. Uh, I mean, he's, he, he's, he's pretty a, good. Pretty freaking he's good. He's an Italian icon, Tommy DeVito. It would have been, been better, too. I didn't realize that on that 26-yard run that he had to set up Saquon Barkley's one-yard touchdown run, he got tackled by Wandale Robinson. Wandale Robinson got in the way of him scoring another <laughs> touch, teammate another for those touchdown yeah, for sure. as a wide receiver for the Giants that ended up tackling him. By the way, uh, Tommy DeVito, by far the most liked quarterback in New York, and Aaron Rodgers plays for the Jets. By far. Because he's one of them. Close. He's one of them. Right. Well, Aaron Rodgers certainly is not one of them. No. In any way. And no matter what city he's in, he's not one of and he's in caves, he's one of them, maybe, but not in any of these cities. No, not at all. No, we were talking about Tommy DeVito. He's a kind of a cult hero now. His family has certainly become popular watching him play. The they're gesture. Serving, they're serving oh, cutlets. So the agents got the fedora. We think he needs to open a restaurant in the in the New York area, right? Not not a rest not a restaurant. Okay. DeVito's social club. DeVito Social Club. How about you have to go through a deli to get there? Though? Yeah, exactly. Like it's like it's like it's got to be very exclusive, very unassuming. Like in the there's a front, yeah. and then and then there's the club behind it or downstairs where you have to be invite only that type of deal. Yeah. Can you imagine partying with the Tommy DeVito family and then you get a, a meatball sub on the way out? Oh, that's to that'd, take be, home? that'd be great. You ever see the movie ch- Enemy of the State? Sandwich. Ooh, yeah. You ever uh, see the movie ch- Enemy of the State? Yes. No. At the oh yes, at yes. The end, that type of that's place. That's the place. That type of place. The exactly. end of the movie. The for social those club. Right. It's Will Smith. It's Gene Hackman. It's one of those great rainy Saturday afternoon. It's yeah. on TNT kind of movies. It's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. But at the end, they walk through the deli to get to the social club yeah. kind of thing. Ooh. Now, the what social, happens after not, that no, is the not so, ideal. The social club is not like Zero Bond or Soho House. Like, this is a different type of social club right. we're talking about. So we were not in- everybody walks out. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Ten walk yeah. in, two walk out. Yeah, yeah Are exactly. we wearing leisure suits to the DeVito Social Club or are we wearing actual suits? No, 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 no. If you're not a regular at DeVito Social Club, you can't wear the leisure suit. You oh, need to be suited. You're suited and booted okay. until otherwise notified. Okay. You know what I'm saying? It's that type of place, okay? 
Think Russian tea room in Midtown. Like, it's that kind of environment. Yeah, You're not just rolling up to DeVito's social club any kind of way. No. No. Nah, you got to have the chains on. You, you got to go. have the, the jewelry No, no, no. You don't want to have the chains on. Don't be too flashy. Tommy DeVito's got the gold chains. Well, he can do that. But he can do, but he can do that, though. Okay. He's a regular. He's the owner. He's the owner. <laughs> if you're not, if you're not a regular okay. at Devito's the, social the club, there's a, certain, there's a certain level of decorum you have to have. You got to follow the rules. Yeah. You just think Russian tea room. If everyone has been to the Russian tea room, you want to? I haven't been, but I've heard of the Russian. We tea haven't room. had a good CC unintentional humble brag in a while. We just Here had we one. Here we go. Here <laughs> we go. Am I right? Back in Bristol, am I right? Javante, you are usually the judge of the humble brag. He just dropped Think Russian Tea Room. Uh, I think he's fine. I'm not okay. really Thank too familiar you, with the Russian Thank you, Javante. Thank you. For once, Javante defends me. He's got For your once. back. He's got your back. For once. I appreciate you, Javante. Know, you, 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 you. you know what we're seeing here? Uh, Tommy DeVito's having an influence on the show. The Italian loyalty is permeating yeah, on it's, sports. It's, exactly, Javante's exactly. Javante's like, that's my teammate. Now, I've got, now, I've got now, now Javante is teetering on trustworthy. Oh. Well, he was untrustworthy. We've been on the same side. Yeah, exactly. I love that. All right. Well, you guys, uh, let's keep it pushing here. Speaking of quarterbacks and speaking of chains, Kirko Chains, Kirk Cousins. Cousins was on the Manning cast last night and showed off some of his jewels that he might wear to the Tommy DeVito Social Club. Send me a chain. It's the only one I've ever really gotten uh, of some Coles cash. So uh, let the camera see that. So that's my Coles Coles cash chain. I've I've never really rocked that, but I keep that in the closet just – just in case. Is Coles. that not the most Kirk Cousins thing ever? That he A has a Coles cash chain and B that he keeps it in the closet and doesn't wear it because he's too modest to wear the chain. Yeah, I mean I guess it's it's whatever you gotta do to promote Coles. Like he's now like the ambassador and he's perfect for Coles. But I, I would say this. To me, the 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 quintessential Kirk Cousins moment was when he was on the plane celebrating a win with his teammates, shirt off. With all of the gold chains on, like that was awesome because it was just like Kirk Cousins embracing the culture in the locker room. I love that moment. So I will forever and always think of Kirk Cousins in that way. But that's the beauty of Kirk Cousins. He's got a little something for everybody. He does. Like whatever whatever version of Kirk Cousins sticks out for you, then that's okay. If you're more on the cold side, that's cool. If you're more about the chains, the Cuban links, the hair and bones, then that's cool too. Kirk Cousins has shown us that he has that kind of range as a quarterback, which is pretty damn impressive. Versatility. Versatility. And I'm wondering if the Vikings absolutely have to bring him back next season. I keep thinking about this yeah. with – the Bears likely getting Caleb Williams or somebody that they think is going to be transformational and showing signs of life down the stretch here. The Lions are a team, even though they've stumbled a bit, that are a threat. And the Packers with Jordan Love look like they're on the ascent. Kirk Cousins has proven that not only is he going to put up numbers and he's going to help you be competitive, but the team loves him. When he's out, they're wearing Kirko chains, T-shirts. He's just a great leader. And I, I know that he vibes well in Minnesota. He wants to be there. I think they got to bring him back. I just want to know how much he's asking for because we all know that Kirk Cousins is about his money now. More than Cole's he's, cash. He's all, about, he's all about real cash, not Cole's cash. Like, he's about that bag. So, I mean, how much he wants is going to determine whether or not I'll bring him back. But I think having Kirk – Cousins, as a part of your quarterback room for the foreseeable future, is a great way to go if you're Kevin O'Connell. Well, one guy who certainly got paid was Joe Burrow, and I miss him. I miss watching him play. I miss watching or having us talk about Joe Burrow on a week-to-week basis, but he's still making a good impact on his team. Jake Browning, who stepped in for the injured Joe Burrow at quarterback and is leading this team to victories, 
Yeah, he wanted to bring his family to the game. And, you know, CC, as you've mentioned to us, players have to pay for tickets. Yes. He's a backup. He's not rolling in Cole's cash like Kirk Cousins. He doesn't have the Joe Burrow (laughs) checkbook. So what did Joe Burrow do? He said, don't worry about it. He got Jake Browning's friends and family tickets. He actually gave up his suite for them to sit in and watch the game. Isn't that awesome? Burrow's people ain't going to the game. He ain't playing. (laughs) If nine ain't out there, why they want to go to the game? Man, The suite is just going to sit there and be an empty. Might as well give it to your teammate if Jake especially after the way Jake Browning played like down in Jacksonville like you got to show him some love go ahead and throw him the suite let his people be there to celebrate him. uh that's nice and all but i want to know who paid for the food and drinks cuz the whole catch with the sweets is it costs extra with the food and drink did burrow also pay for that do we I'm have sure any, he did. I'm sure he did. He better have. I'm sure. All of a sudden, the Browning sure. family. I'm sure he did. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure he did. I'm I can't sure see did. him yeah. saying, "Hey, take my suite. Here's the bill for the food nah, and the drink." Nah, that's that's just tacky. Now you just got paid two hundred seventy-five million dollars. How does that work with the suite? Because it's is that. I'm being serious. Is that actually counted against the cap as part of the contract? If no, if you a, have to pay for it. Oh, he buys that suite. Yes, got it. Okay, I didn't know if they gave it to him. No, hell no. Remember A Rod with his negotiations. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what these teams are never doing: giving away that type of inventory to play. Do they Never. give him a discounted rate? No. So he's paying full price you pay, for a suite. You pay full freight for those suites. That's why you see several players go in on that just so their family doesn't have to sit in the normal stadium seating because you don't want your people getting heckled. But, yeah, like you'll have three or four guys get together and buy a box and then split up the 12 tickets that come along with the box. So, like, you OC and AP back, Antonio Pierce back in the day would say, like, all right, let's all throw in. We'll get it together. I, although I was too cheap to do that for my people. I, I'm not buying a suite for y'all. <laughs> y'all, y'all, sit, y'all sit with the regular fans. <laughs> We're Unsportsman Like on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.